the Standing Orders podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, the Emeritus Mayor, Sue Lorne. How are you, Thomas? I'm very well, and how are you? Fine and dandy, thank you very much. Everything's good. Well, it should be good because I believe you've just gotten back from holiday. <laughs> yes, I have. And, <laughs> and it's good to be home. I love this time of year, actually, is is coming home um, and thinking, okay, summer's over, had my holiday, and uh, now we can look forward to the big C word. And um, and all the things that come up before it. Halloween, sorry, I love can Halloween. I just, sorry, can I just ask... <laughs> what big C are you looking forward to? <laughs> <laughs> it's the happy one. It's the Christmas one, not the, oh, okay. not the other, not the other sad, depressing one. So um, yeah. So sorry, what 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 sad, depressing big C do you? Oh, okay. No, sorry, I had something else in my mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and nice moving on really direct. quickly, I wasn't thinking about a cake at all. <laughs> Thomas, what are we going to do with you? Seriously? So, yes, I was saying, coming up to Halloween, I love Halloween. And then the fireworks, love all of that. Then the 1st of December gets here and you can open the advent calendars. That makes me really happy too. And then you get christmas and into january where everything goes really depressing again but let's just focus on the next three months anyway absolutely be positive i mean yes, it's difficult yes. not to be positive after you've just you know had a five-star break i know but um, <laughs> it's, i do agree with you there, there's nothing like kind of autumnal weather when it starts to change the yes. weather starts to cool there seems to be a bit of kind of electricity in the air as yeah. you know the leaves fall off the trees and Austin starts to yeah. turn delightfully colourful. Yes. And because of the summer that we've had, um, apparently it's um, autumn, the colours this autumn should be really spectacular. So, um, so that'd be good. good. So what have you been up to? This and that. This no no, no five-star breaks. Wheeling, dealing. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to talk about today? Drinking to copious amounts of coffee. Um, so what I thought we'd... No we'd change there then. Is actually no, absolutely. Um, honestly, I get such bad headaches at weekends because I don't drink coffee oh, really? at weekends. And so during the week, like I, I obviously drink a lot of coffee. And then on Saturdays, I normally have a really bad headache from <gasps> not drinking enough coffee. Um, so clearly I need to make it a seven day. <laughs> no, Thomas is drinking habit. too much coffee in the week. <laughs> That's the problem. So I thought this week we would touch on what we, we have actually discussed this before but there's a little bit more news to it now um than there was before and that's on uh, remote meetings and the kind of well i would say the decision there hasn't been a decision which i think in itself is 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 poor so back in 2021 if you can cast your mind back to when you were you know even more important than you are now yes or, yes, or yes. You technically less important because now you're you're you know Kind of a, a star of a podcast, whereas back then. Well, this is the thing, so yeah, yeah. You're actually more of a celebrity now, so probably yeah, less yes. less importance in civic terms, but but of greater importance in terms of people listening to you. 
<laughs> because when you were mayor, no one And did. they're switching off really, really quickly. <laughs> and so... I'm <laughs> moving on now. <laughs> And so the back to 2021. Did... <laughs> so back in back in 2021, the government did their um, consultation, which was to understand the experience of local authorities, um, basically using remote meetings during the COVID pandemic. So two years later, fast forwarding to 2023, um, we still haven't heard any actual outcomes from this. No analysis, no disclosures, no responses, nothing. And as you know, in in other areas of the United Kingdom, such as Wales, you can have virtual meetings. So for those people who are listening from Wales thinking, why are they talking about this when we can? You can in Wales, you can't in England. And I think from a personal view, this is one of the issues with not having an English parliament. Um, Mm. I think that local authorities in, in England actually get a worse deal than they do in the devolved nations because basically the UK government doesn't want to be looking at local authorities in England when you know the Scottish government and uh, the Welsh government are looking at them the same in in Scotland and Wales so it's Mm -hmm. kind of like I just don't think it appears on the agenda I think if local government weren't devolved actually there would be a greater focus from government on Yes, probably, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Than there currently is. Um, So we haven't heard anything from the government two years later. So in, you know, which which I think is actually a really positive thing. So out of the interest of their members, lawyers in local government, the LLG, and the Association of Democratic Services Officers, which is ADSO. Hold on, can I just pause while I shout at someone? Hold on. There we go. Um... Dragging chairs around the. Pool. I didn't. I didn't hear um, her. No, I can guarantee that. Well, actually, I can't guarantee the recording did. But anyway, moving no. on swiftly. So I don't know what. Yes. Um, so ADSO, which ADSO, which of which I'm a member, and I'm actually sponsoring one of the um, virtual training sessions in December. Um, so they jointly did an FOI request to. The longest uh, department name in the free world, which is the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, they dropped local government from that department because it just isn't important enough, it seems. Um, And the government um, refused to uh, disclose the um, kind of the consultation responses, any summary of the consultation responses, the details of the consultation response, basically anything to do with the consultation response, the government weren't going to disclose it. So this was done on the grounds that it was, I believe, vexatious. So they rightly appealed to the information commissioner and said, this is outrageous. It's not a vexatious request to ask for the outcome of a consultation. Um, However, in their infinite wisdom, and I'm unsure of the legal position, so I'm going to say I completely support the Information Commission on this. Um, They upheld the fact that it was vexatious. And they said that actually there's other important work that the government department needs to be doing. It would take more than 150 hours for them to go through and redact the information before it's released. And they can't be expected to do that. So I think what we found is that two years later, the government haven't even started doing any of this. If it would yeah. take them more than 150 hours now to do it. Um, yeah. And they had uh, 4,370 responses. Um, and 
apparently they haven't even started. There's no summary, there's no details at all that the government could give. So clearly, the government called for evidence only then to decide that they don't give to anyway. And so we, we're back kind of where we started. Also, I thought, but actually then looking back at the history on this, um, last year, I think it was around January, um, Michael Gove spoke in the House of Commons supporting remote meetings, and yet now um, any request for information is vexatious. And actually, the DLUHC, the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, has said that they have a strong view that council meetings should be held in person, and actually they hold a strong view against remote meetings. So back last year, the Secretary of State in support of remote meetings, but now, despite not having considered the consultation, they're now firmly against remote meetings. So I have seen, yeah, I I have seen uh, recently that there was um, a report on um, how um, it it was thought that it it was more um, appropriate for the members of the public to be able to um, attend any meeting that they wanted to, and um, by go by doing things online, that meant that there could be a possibility um, that um, things were being hidden from the public, and only somebody who hasn't been involved in online meetings would actually report something like that. I told you in in the previous conversations that whenever we were in lockdown. Um, and we did all of our meetings online, we had more members of the public in attendance, more members of the public giving their opinion in relation to anything that was on the agenda. And and to think that by still insisting that all the meetings should be done in a village hall or in a a town hall, if, if, if it's a town council, you know, that it's going to to mean that that leaves things more open for members of the public. It does give them the opportunity to come down and see face-to-face that the the councillors that are dealing with, um, you know, what's going on in their local community. But it is ludicrous to think that in this day and age, that's the only way forward and that's the only way to do it. You have have much more... um, uh, community involvement with anything that's online as you do, especially in the winter time. People are not going to come out of their, you know, they get home from work, um, they're not going to come out and, and drive in the wind and the rain or walk in the wind, wind and the rain to go to a meeting that um, they get three minutes to have a, you know, to have um, put their point over. And then that's it. You, you sit there for the rest of the evening listening to, and it might even be way down the agenda, the thing that you're waiting for, where if you've got it online, you sit in the comfort of your own home, you can you can listen to when you want to or wait until the conversation, you know, you know the agenda item that you're interested in comes, comes up. And it is just absolutely crazy that Wales, I'm not sure whether you said Scotland can do it or not, but it, it's not acceptable that it's it's fine with with the United Kingdom. It should be we we should all be able to do the same. So it it should have been a case of um, 
Westminster actually listening to what was being said to them. And it'd be really, I'd love to see what that response actually was. But um, was it a case of somebody, you know, okay, we'll we'll do this consultation, but we'll... um, we don't want it to happen that way. We haven't got the time to to go through the the paperwork, and uh, we'll just say no. It, it's not going to happen in in England. But and you know nothing these days surprises me with what comes out of <laughs> of our our government at the moment. It's just and anything that Michael Gove says, for heaven's sake. Well, you know how much I I appreciate him. Uh, anything that he says, you can guarantee that he supports it. Then 10 days later, it's all going to be uh, th- totally thrown out and um, and, and it's never going to happen. So, um, yeah, right. so it's really, really frustrating. Hmm? I mean, I was going to jump in at a few points there. When you can't you jump until I've finished renting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you didn't breathe. So there was no opportunity for me to jump in at all. In fact, I did look to see whether I was still connected. <laughs> because you just well enough. You are well and truly connected. A massive amount of text for me and a massive amount of text from you. And actually, to be honest with you, the only thing I would say if I jumped in was to say, I agree with you. Um, oh, I, do, you know, I, do you know, we went years, I think we went seven, eight years without you ever agreeing with anything that I'm saying. And in the last few months, blimmin' egg. Well, to be fair, so it only what seems like podcasts. When we talk normally, I disagree with everything you say. But I think as soon as you stick a microphone in front of your mouth, you turn more reasonable. Maybe that's the mistake we made all those years where you were oh, a counsellor. Yeah. All they should have done yeah. is put a microphone in front of your mouth and you'd be yeah. far more reasonable. But as soon as they take the microphone away, you, t- you sit there and you don't have one, you start blurting yeah. all this stuff out. I'm sitting there thinking, blimey, I've never cringed so much. Actually, that's probably why I was more reasonable in district than I was in town, because I always had a microphone but no I I genuinely like I just I think in terms of access more people now I mean if you look at every way you want to access support from the government or Mm. access help from the government even from principal councils you're looking at doing it online everything pushes you online you want to fill in a form for HMRC do it online you want to do something for your car do it online everything is getting pushed online and yet, you want, if, you, if you want a meeting with your MP, you have to apply yeah, online. Absolutely. And and yet everything else, apparently in, in terms of, of local democracy, you have to turn up to a drafty village hall in the yeah. wet and rain because otherwise you're, you're not an active part of democracy. Well, actually, to be, to be honest with you, I think for people who are... Uh, disabled who have additional needs who don't want to go out who you know just basically want to sit at home be able to attend a meeting and then as soon as they're done with the the bit that they want to listen to turn it off like I think it's far more convenient we had loads more people turning up to virtual meetings and when I um, was did locum work and I used to facilitate online meetings by attending virtually myself and at this point I will plug the fact that Clerks attending virtually is 100% allowed, and it's only the decision makers that currently need bums on seats. Clerks and and other council officers can be virtual, and in attending virtually, you're actually able to facilitate members of the public getting the same experience as the clerk. And as long as you have the technology in place to be able to do that, and lo and behold, I can advise on this. Like there is absolutely no reason why you you can't do it, and mm. it's to me just just 
it was so much easier. It was so much better. And to be honest with you, I always felt that although some people would say attending in person, you have that kind of that that kind of decorum of, of a meeting that everyone acts far more sensibly. No one's obviously drinking alcohol. There's none of that kind of stuff. Actually, I found the opposite. I found that people online, when they know that they could be kicked out or muted, they're far more respectful than when yes. you, know, you, you can't force them to leave a building without calling the police. And therefore, they can say whatever they want and be as obnoxious and mm. basically, in many ways, like libelous as they want to be. Stick them online and be able to kick them out of a meeting. Surprisingly enough, they, they also tend to toe the line a bit. Um, mm. But, you and know, plus, all just you, stick them on you mute and don't let them unmute themselves. And you take into consideration the costs. It's more cost effective not to, you know, to do it online. If you, you know, you think that, you you know, there's a meeting happening on a Monday night, you have to put the heating on uh, to get the room um, in the wintertime, get the, get the room at a reasonable temperature. You don't want to be sitting there freezing cold having the meeting, the cost of the, um, I don't know, it's only three or four hours in some cases. But, um, you know, you, you have all that expense as well that um, over a period of time will we'll all add up. But I just don't see the practicality in this age at all. Really, really don't. Neither. No. So hopefully there'll be some reconsideration in a few months' time and uh, it will become um, acceptable to do that. Absolutely. Um, and in the meantime, apparently, the DLUHC don't give two hoots. And um, no. they'll kind of continue as is. Um, as, as they do with most everything these days. Yeah, but I, I think what we what we really need as much as anything else is, I would say, both a review of this um, and also a review of uh, the Freedom of Information Act. Um, because I find it absolutely incredible that the Information Commissioner beats local authorities over the head with yeah. FOI requests. Um, and I just, I always feel, you know, town and parish councils, I feel, always get the most vexatious, the most kind of personal, the worst type of FOI request than anyone else. And yet they're the ones that have absolutely really no ability to make anything confidential through their minutes because you can't have confidential minutes at town and parish councils. Um and everything is normally really transparent anyway. And there's just so much more transparency at that level than there is probably anywhere yeah. else. But then that also leads me on to the second part of what I wanted to talk about, which is the wonderful words of Greg Clark. Do you know who Greg Clark is? No. No, I don't blame you. Um, Greg Clark has been the Secretary of State for local government, um, well, a few years ago, probably about six and then was again last year for a few months of, um, the, I think it was the dying days of the Johnson government. He came back to local government and was the Secretary of State. And he came out with a statement, and I would say very forgettable chap, so don't feel bad. In fact, I had to Google him um, because, well, yeah, forgettable. Um, so unlike Michael Gove, he's he's going to be in my mind. I tell you, well, <laughs> even when I'm 80, I'm going to remember that man and, and, and his ability to rave in Aberdeen. Isn't everyone. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, Greg Clark has said that he believes that um, 
two tiers of local government has had its day. We can't afford duplications of chief executives, of directors, of buildings, of all the infrastructure a local authority needs. And actually, the huge amount of funding that councils require now isn't going to come from central government. It's not going to come from the people because we can't afford it, which I think we'll all probably agree. And so districting counties should be a thing of the past and we should be moving towards unitaries. I mean, I I take his point about saying goodbye to tier and to go on about, you know, I think there were 317 councils and there are now more combined local authorities and, you know, that's half the population of England, I think, are now under a combined authority and that actually we need councils to be bigger. And actually it kind of links in with what I was saying about having an English parliament. But what gets me is there's absolutely no mention of town and parish councils in this. And I always feel that that is a huge mistake Mm. because actually if two councils go and it's a unitary Town and parish will stay, and they will actually end up picking up a lot of the pieces of what district, district councils used to do because mm. we're already doing it. Yeah. So uh, there's two arguments really, as as I think that we've said this a, a couple of times now, that there is if you um, taking away the district and leaving it as a unitary, um, it is it's all under one umbrella nobody gets confused about who's responsible for doing what and um and you can you can probably hold that council more accountable because they can't push it down to the other levels uh but on the other hand you then take away the um localism uh side of things Absolutely. so um so there's it's, it's trying to find that the happy medium um and um and i think that i just don't know i i think that i think it will happen yeah so so do i i mean do you think that i mean you've been with councils that have worked together do you think that's worked do you think that's worked at all i mean do you think that i mean they were saying you know a lot of councils spend far more money to stay separate than they would if they shared offices and we've known councils without mentioning names like districts where they've shared chief executives where they've shared directors uh-huh. do you think it works to be honest i uh, i it works on the financial side of things but i don't think that it works on the um the experience the for local. resident side of things yeah, so what no, you're saying I, is I you don't think it works on the case. local. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I think I that you you can do it and you can save money, but um, because you you know you're you're putting those costs all in together. But no, I think that when it comes to um, the communities, I think that um, that local side of things has has gone, and 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 you know the, those two um, district councils coming together. Uh, wasn't a massive area you know it it, yeah. it was um and and it shouldn't maybe it didn't work maybe on uh one side of those councils maybe one side of it kept its uh localism and the other side totally lost it and i don't think that you can you can it was always supposed to be that um you know you you stayed you, you know you kept your own identity and you, um, you know, you you still worked out of things, but you have one team. So um, to having that one team, you you can't. It, that doesn't work. You you no. you have the one team working for the two districts, 
and that then takes away the the localism side of I agree uh, that's I, what I, I mean, found on our side I guess what I think I guess what I think is it actually works counter to what we were just talking about. So if you're saying we're going to remove local democracy because we can't afford a two-tier system, you know, we can't afford duplications, we can't afford this, we can't afford that. Well, Mm -hmm. we all know that virtual meetings are cheaper to run. So that in itself reduces the cost because you're not providing like Mm -hmm. in the same way, you know, the buildings, the heating, the lights and everything else that goes with it. Now, how can you say on one hand it's important that people can turn up to their local council and then on the other hand say we need less local councils we need one council covering much larger areas which is actually Mm. going to mean that people maybe need to drive for 20 minutes before they get Mm. to the council building so to go to a meeting then you're automatically disenfranchising so many more people because councils are bigger it removes the tiers that are the, the closest to the people and you just are provided with one overarching because i can guarantee you if you get rid of two councils you're not going to the sorry the two-tier system you're not going to get rid of the county and put the county powers down at the district no and just have a carpet of districts you're going to get rid of the districts and create larger county councils yeah or or unitary authorities rather than ones that cover just a county so you have more unitaries and so then actually a lot of people just won't be able to attend a public meeting, which actually then removes democracy, which is then counter to what the government say they want to achieve. And to be honest with you, I I do think that it works counter in removing district councils. Um, it does work counter to localism mm. and, and like localism in terms of people being able to have a say in, and shaping their communities. Um, but then I also think the financial cost... You know, it, it's a balance as to what you want to prioritise. The government at the moment, with their views on on remote meetings, etc., seem to be prioritising local government kind of democracy at any cost. That we we want to reinforce that by, in their view, not allowing like virtual meetings, which I think is a mistake. But it just seems a little bit like no one wants to fund local government properly. And everyone is more than happy to point the finger at local councillors and local councils. And actually, all they're doing, I think, is switching off people from working in local authorities. I mean, the amount of times I, I see, I hear and speak to clerks who don't want to be clerks anymore, who, you know, officers who don't want to be officers in town and parish councils, especially. And you look at the, the pay that the town and parish clerks get and the officers get under them. And it's scandalous. Like mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're looking at what a district council would pay a middle manager with absolutely no responsibility, other than a team of three doing something which you know gives them absolutely no public exposure, getting paid more than the town clerk of a decent-sized council. And you think, for the responsibility and everything else, how how do you expect that to work? But is this as as you were talking? I was thinking is. Um... Is this a way of giving? <laughs> is this a way of giving less input to local people? Um, if you and and thinking back, whenever we did the town council meetings online, um, we always had more people turn up uh, than what we ever did in district. And I think I've sat through a fair few district um, council meetings. Um, on an evening and you know I can't really remember one member of the public turning up no um and there might have been 
you know, over that, what, six month period, six, seven month period, there might have been maybe one member, but I can't really remember that a, a member of the public turned up to ask a question. They listed no saying that they, they didn't actually um, come to ask questions, but they did listen in. So they did Absolutely. sign in and, and they listened to it, but they didn't get involved in the in the meetings. Where with the parish council or the town council, there was a lot more involvement. People were happy to have their say, but mostly with the district, they were just happy to listen. So well, I think, um, to be fair, I think that's because like with districts, you you tend to have far stricter rules in terms of what's allowed, what's not allowed. It's not just people from your community, it's people from across a wide geographical area. And so you Mm -hmm. don't want to, if you like, make a fool of yourself. So you kind of sit there and wait, and you don't want to speak because you're going to have people that you have no... I mean, I think everyone's a bit emboldened when they're standing in front of town and parish councillors because they're like, you work for me, and so therefore I'll say whatever the hell I want. Whereas when it's people that actually aren't accountable to you and they're just individuals who can judge you by what you say and you know they're not going to get criticized it's not going to be like did you hear what that guy said last night in the community I think people are generally better behaved at district council meetings than they are at town and parish I think town and parish meetings people see as their opportunity to moan about everyone unhappy with the district go to your parish council unhappy about the county do the same People are idiots. Generally, that's probably overreaching. Most people yeah. are idiots. There we are. Maybe just cut that. Maybe just cut that. Just a fraction. <laughs> but but no, it, it is. But is is this is this the way forward though? That it is going to be take out the district um, because you and it, it it was a case that you have got all the restrictions on what um, people can say and what people can do. But people can apply, you know, they, they, you can put it in writing to say, I want to, you know, to um, have my three, five minutes of public speaking. And and then they, they, they get to do that. But it is very rare that somebody yeah. does that. Um, so is it a case of, you know, you, know, you don't need that district anymore because there isn't any community in involvement in or local involvement in it it is literally the 47 councillors or whatever it is sitting around um the, the the tables and and having you know for their own benefits it's it's not necessarily bringing um the the community involvement in it so is it better to to get rid of them and just have county who you're never going to get involved in um in a, in a million years and then give you know more authority to the towns and the parishes who people will actually come and talk to um and you know i know that the mostly it is you're only going to go to your council or your councillor if you've got a complaint is very rare that anybody is going to come to the council you're doing a brilliant job um yeah, I mean, but, so is it a you, case that it should be more think, authority to the to the first tier? I think some services, you know, the, the further up you are in terms of the tiers, the the less responsive you need to be to the public. You could basically say no, yeah, and on your bike, and people kind of don't know why they accept it more when it's someone who's completely anonymous. Whereas when it's someone who's like in front of you, they they will fight tooth and nail 
for it. And we see it all the time, especially with highways. Like they will accept an answer from highways and then come to the town or parish and say, I want you to do it, even though it's yeah. nothing to do with you. And when you yeah. say no, that you can't do it, I'll shout at you instead. And you're like, this is it. You yeah. know, why didn't you give is... any of this aggro to highways? So I think, you know, you're, you're, you're right in some regard um, that, you know, some should come down to town and parish councils. But equally, I think if that happens, you need to properly fund town and parish councils. I mean, this is it. there so, should yeah. be a mechanism where if you're getting rid of districts. Now, for my money, I think that a town clerk of a reasonable sized kind of council should be getting paid the same as an assistant director at, at a district council. I don't Most see definitely. there's any argument why. And yeah. to be fair, you, you listen to some of the assistant directors and you think, wow. Seriously? And, and not like, wow, but mm. wow. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you, I, I just think that then you will get town and parish clerks who actually feel appreciated. And I think that's half the battle at the moment is yeah. you're not being appreciated by councillors. You're not being appreciated by members of the public. You're maybe being appreciated by your colleagues, but actually, you know, you, you then end up almost with a bunker mentality of, you know, you're getting fire from yeah. both sides. And so you all huddle together in the hope that actually you'll make it out of there without having a breakdown. And it just yeah. isn't especially healthy. And I always think, I can sit there quite quite happily with you know when when I was working in town and and you kind of you become very insular in some regards, but then you can also brush it off. But there are some councils that are going through such, I mean, just just such nonsense on an ongoing basis, and you wonder really why anybody bothers. <laughs> the Standing Orders Podcast. Oh, God, that was the end. That was the beginning, not the end, wasn't it? Okay. <laughs> I'll try that one again. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Poli Tiz. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at polytizconsulting.co.uk. See you next week.